The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Also, I want to tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is um, just a, is a great service uh, where where most people don't even know that when you when you sign up for you know Verizon or any of these other you know cell phone services, they're taking a portion of their profits and they are sending them to places like Planned Parenthood. Get out of that business. Now, uh, Patriot Mobile has all of the great service, et cetera, et cetera, but you're not paying all the extra from, you know, these these service providers. You can switch to Patriot Mobile and put your money where your heart is. Unlimited plans now starting as low as $20 per visit. You can visit them online now at PatriotMobile.com slash The Blaze. Use the promo code FREELINE and you'll get two lines for the price of one, call them now, 1-800-A-PATRIOT, 1-800-A-PATRIOT, or patriotmobile.com slash the blaze. Glenn Beck. You know, has, has anybody watched the movie 1984, George Orwell, lately? Have you, I mean, here's one. Have you watched Game of Thrones? Remember that scene? I think it was in the first or second season where they strapped the rat cage to the guy's chest. It was like, hey, tell us where it is. I don't know what you're talking about. And the rat burrowed his way through the person. Remember that? Yeah, that's kind of an old timey version of 1984. A vision of a world with an authoritarian government that controlled every aspect of its citizens' lives. It was a brutal surveillance state. It not only suppressed free speech, but it was in the business of actually changing the meaning of words. It was called Newspeak. And Orwell's, Orwell's fictional uh, country was based on the anti-America, the exact polar opposite or negative of America. A reality our Constitution specifically protects us from but also a world that Orwell knew was very possible under the European system. Take a, take a look around you. Everything in this modern, evolving, and technological world. The trend is toward Orwell, not freedom. I won't mention places like Russia, as things like oppression, surveillance, censorship, is what they expect from their government. But what is happening in the UK now is downright scary. People like Tommy Robinson, he's getting arrested in the street for filming iPhone videos of Muslim rape gangs as they are going into the courtroom. Back in the summer when uh, people gathered around the hospital to protest the killing of another baby, the euthanization of a baby, the UK police announced that they would be monitoring Facebook and social media for anything critical of the government's medical decision. I don't think it gets any more George Orwell than that, does it? Now they've announced that if you live in the UK and, you've, and you use the phrase bringing home the bacon or the phrase don't put all your eggs in one basket, that's going to be banned as well. Apparently, it's offensive to vegans who don't bring home the bacon and Muslims who don't like bacon. An academic in the UK wrote recently uh, with a need to do away with such offensive language. And as ridiculous as it sounds, they're going to do it. But this is the world of relativism, where there is no right or wrong. Whether, whether you can speak or not is all dependent on who is in charge of 
what is politically correct. Whether something is right or wrong is relative to whatever random person or group thinks is right or wrong. And you better hope that that group that thinks you're wrong never gets into power. Free speech is a God-given right. But it may not be relative to an authoritarian oppressive police state. And that's what's coming our way. Could never happen here, right? We're protected under the Constitution. We have a right to free speech. Not if you talk to most college students. I'd like to argue that even, even though the government is limited in what it can do to us, we're already giving up our rights freely, and we're not even realizing it. See, we're not doing 1984. We're doing Brave New World. Those were the two competing visions. One was done through happy pills and, and, and in advertisements. And the other was through just this authoritarian state that would strap a rat cage to your face. Well, they're both being done. One's being done in China and one's being done here. Is there a difference between banning a saying like bringing home the bacon and the current uh, discriminant replatforming or deplatforming going on with companies like Facebook, Google, and Apple? The CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, spoke yesterday about how he feels about deplatforming and free speech. Listen. I believe the most sacred thing that each of us is given is our judgment, our morality, our own innate desire to separate right from wrong. Choosing to set that responsibility aside at a moment of trial is a sin. So he was talking about deplatforming and how not silencing voices is a sin. No, remaining silent in the face of evil is evil itself. Not silencing someone else. Tim Cook's words, a sin, not mine. It's a sin if they don't rest- restrict free speech. Now, these are the words that I would expect coming from you know, the leaders of China or Russia, not from a CEO living in the freest nation on the planet or what used to be. Last December, Tim Cook spoke in China and told the assembly that China's vision for the Internet is, quote, a vision that we at Apple share. Are you kidding me? China's view of the Internet is ultimate censorship. It is a tool for propagandists propagandists to fuel the police state. This is the future of Silicon Valley, and it's the future that they foresee for us. Orwell's nightmare could not be completed under our Constitution. The government can't take away our rights as they do in places in the UK or in China. That's why the corporations will do it. The government doesn't have to. We're giving our freedom of speech away freely to the overlords at Facebook, Google, and Apple. It's Tuesday, December 4th. You're listening to the Glenbeck Program. We welcome to the uh, program Mr. Andrew Heaton, who is uh, new and joining us uh, from The Blaze and uh, has his own podcast. Uh, Something's Off. Something's Off with Andrew Heaton. With Andrew Heaton. 
Uh, welcome, Andrew. How are Thank you? you, Glenn. Thank you for having me. Good morning to you. Yeah. So uh, I know you're a libertarian and you okay. and I disagree yeah. on yeah. on several things, um, but we like each other and we yeah. agree on most things. Would you say? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, how are you feeling about the whole freedom of speech thing that's happening in not only in England and China, but also here now in a different way? I, I think that there's two things that are worth looking at. There's two sides to it. There's the legal side of it, which in the United States, we're pretty good legally in terms of freedom of speech. That's not so much uh, under assault. But there is a culture of freedom of speech, which I do think is is problematic. We're seeing that on college campuses. We're seeing that in general where you're going to get in trouble if you say a particular thing, and we're kind of tightening the bandwidth of what we can discuss. And that I'm very much concerned about. Uh, and uh, Yeah, everybody is. I mean, if you are in college and you – are taught that you have a right to silence someone, yeah. you're going to be the next generation that will change the, the rules. Have you, have you had Greg Lukianoff on your show before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm having him on Friday. He, he wrote a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Oh, yeah, and yeah, I, I was reading through it, and it was great. And it, one of the things I want to talk to him about, the book seems to, to get into, is we're, we're both in media, and so it's, it's difficult for me to determine, uh, see, on college campuses, are, we, are college campuses uh, more opposed to freedom of speech now, or, or are we just talking about it more? And the book would indicate that quantitati- uh, quantitatively, it is in oh, fact, yeah. you know, they're, they're disinviting more people. Oh, yeah. It seems to kind of kick off around 2013, and he's got mm-hmm. some interesting theories as to why that is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, like, I, I'm a libertarian. I'm, I'm more emphatically a comedian. Uh, and I would say, as a comedian, I think the, the two places that we should actually have freedom of Comedy's speech. Comedy's dead. Huh? Comedy's dead. <laughs> oh, nuts. So hey, should I become a gardener? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, but listen, comedy dead. You watch television now. Nobody's trying to do comedy. There's a few people. Everybody's going for clapter, yeah. not laughter. That's true. There's they're a lot like, of that. They just want everybody to go, oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, I, I would say political satire for sure is, is in a slump right now. Dead. Slump. It is, it is in a slump, yes. there's a yeah, it's, it's turning blue. I, it's got rigor mortis, a uh, slump. It's, you know, and it's funny, too, because it's not um, when I tell people I do comedy, they go, uh, you, you must love the Trump years. And I'm like, no, no, this is not. I mean, for one thing, from just a, from a practical standpoint, uh, in terms of making jokes, you want to be able to heighten. And so if 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 President Trump is like, I don't know, trying to hit Rosie O'Donnell with golf balls from a battleship, and that's like the actual headline of the day, <laughs> like that's what he kicked his morning off with. I can't go from there. There's nowhere for me to go. And so it's not easy. Uh, right. it's, it's tough right now. Right. Uh, let me uh, let me bring you back to China here for a second. Chinese journalist uh, Lu Hu was um, uh, it was a guy who's always had trouble with the authorities. He had been exposing corruption and uh, wrongdoing in the government for a long time. He's used to being hassled. He's used to government find. Um, he's used to um, apologies that he has to you know make for forced apologies. Nevertheless, he continued in doing what he was doing. He he persisted. He persisted. Nevertheless, he persisted. He persisted until one day uh, in 2017 when he logged on to a travel site and he couldn't book a flight anywhere because the site said he was not qualified. Then later he tried to buy a house. What a surprise. He wasn't qualified. High speed train. Nope. Alone. Uh Uh-uh. And there was nothing he could do about it. He couldn't shop at any store that he wanted to go into. He was basically shut off from absolutely everything. And there's now 7.5 million people on this list, the dishonest persons subject to enforcement list. This is all part of their 
their social credit score. And um, China monitors absolutely everything their citizens do and think, their political opinions, their shopping patterns, their travel history, their Internet friends, all of it. Now, imagine a world here in America where you could no longer be able to buy or sell or open a bank account, get a loan, use public transportation or get a job. Imagine a world in China. They are putting surveillance cameras up in the schools so they can constantly monitor students. Now, listen to this. The surveillance cameras took data on the individual facial expressions and eyes and use that information to create a running score on each student in class. If a score reached a a predetermined point, the system triggered an alert. Teachers were expected to take action to talk to the student perceived to be disengaged or overly moody. Now, this sounds like crazy dystopian stuff that only China would do. May I remind you that that is exactly how Bill Gates uh, designed and described Common Core. That every child would have a uh, screen in front of them with a camera monitoring their eyes so they could see the blood pressure in their eyes. They could see everything and engage, see when the student was engaged, when they weren't engaged, except this was for the teacher's benefit. This wasn't for the student. This was, And he said, over time, we'll be able to use that data to be able to figure out who slots into what job. So they can be fast-tracked. By the fifth grade, we can find out, you know what? He's, uh, he's really going to be good at construction work. And so he'll go fast-track on construction work. Now, this sounds, I guess, to some people like l- utopia. To me, it sounds exactly like China. What did you want to be when you wanted when you were growing up? Oh gosh, what did I want? To, I, I I've, I'm still figuring that out. But uh, about 15 different things. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a scientist. Uh, and then when I was in high school, I figured I would either be a uh, a politician, an actor, or a priest. Which in Oklahoma you can do simultaneously. <laughs> you can be all three if you live in Blanchard County. Uh, so I was, I was looking into that. I, I I'm with you on China. Um, China is freaky. Um, and it's it. I, I think uh, you, you kicked off the show with this uh, comparison between um, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley mm-hmm. and 1984, which I think is great. By the way, a lot of the time we only talk about 84. We don't talk about um, about Aldous Huxley, and we've we've been in the Aldous Huxley realm. Uh, we still are. Yeah, I think we're. I think it's happening at the same time. We've been arguing which one was going to happen. Yeah, both. Well, they're both they're both happening. You have to sell it one way to us and another way to the Chinese. Mm-hmm. They're so afraid right now. They accept the cameras. They're not. Uh, they're so afraid of saying anything now. They're all just saying, "Oh no, this is great." In China, in China, yeah, that was. Um, so I right before I came over here and started working at the Blaze, I was in. Uh, I was in China this summer for the uh, China International Stand Up Comedy Festival in Shanghai, and uh, I got to. Uh, I got to finals, by the way, which is pretty good for a guy mm-hmm. that doesn't speak Mandarin. Um, <laughs> But uh, they they were very clear, like, you cannot say anything about Tibet, Taiwan, Tiananmen Square, or any existing member of government, whether it's good or bad. And and they were, and I, I didn't because it would have got the comedy club in a lot of trouble. And I don't know what would have happened to them. I think they would have been canceled, like they would have shut the club down. I don't know. But you could, you could sense that. The interesting thing was, if I brought up uh, something about genders or something, you know, men and women are different, I could tell that the audience was a little, I was less worried about angering someone there than mm-hmm. places have been in America on a social level. But when it got to anything political, 
uh, even remotely. Like at one point, I mentioned that I couldn't access my email because they've they've outlawed Google over there. They don't have Google. They don't have Gmail. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have Facebook. They only have mm-hmm. one government monitored app for all social media, so right. that they can. Well, until Google started helping them, now it's yeah. I think now it's back. They're now over there. But yeah. uh, when, when I was there, it wasn't there. And I mentioned that, and you could just you could hear everyone in the room just go and 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 get very uncomfortable for fear of what was going to happen next. But uh, that is a that is a a kind of. I don't know what you'd call it, a prosperous totalitarian state or an increasingly prosperous totalitarian state. Like the Soviet Union fell apart, right? And uh, and Gorbachev, um, who I like because he was a death knell to the Soviet Union, had sort of banked on them being able to open up with freedom and let that happen. And it fell apart. China has gone the other way where they're like, well, we're going to give you some market freedom, but we're going to keep this tight, tight, tight grip on all civil liberties. We're going to keep this tight grip on censorship and everything else. You need to be in favor of the state at all times. Well, they are not going to be able to um, they're not going to be able to reverse that now. I mean, I don't know how the Chinese people get out of this now. It would be real tough. Yeah. Are you following? I'm, I'm, I imagine you're following the stuff happening with Uyghurs in, in Wait, Western two, China. Two million. Yeah. Two million in thirteen hundred prison camps now. Yeah. They're they're yeah actively and and basically uh, yeah like concentration camps yeah and they're uh, and they're and they're documented with biometrics I mean like there there are people talking about how and it's and this isn't I, I need to stress this is stuff like from the BBC and I mean this isn't like I'm not reading fringe stuff this is folks that are are, are you know very well documented that are being cataloged by the government and there's all sorts of things there is fringe stuff about like like organ yeah. transplants and stuff that we can right. get into but the actual well i want to tell you did you hear about the guy we're going to take a quick break because i have to take a break did you hear about the guy that uh i think it was last week or two weeks ago that said he i think you brought the story to uh the news and why it oh. matters uh, the guy who said he made a clone or uh, no gene splicing that's what it oh, was. oh yeah that was the yeah. first designer baby yeah that was in China. Although I will say the Chinese government was opposed to it. Yeah. Uh, so, but but that yeah. did happen over there, and I I think that's coming. You know what happened to him? Nope. Oh. Okay. I'll give that to you next. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Sponsor this half hour is Relief Factor. Relief Factor is uh, is a natural medicine that I have been taking now for I'm coming up on my one year anniversary, and it has changed my life. Uh, I have a really hard time uh, with pain, and uh, there's sometimes that my my hands just you know they barely work my arms just don't work and uh i just i didn't i can't last year at this time i said to my wife i can't go on another year like this i can't take it anymore uh and i didn't want to take you know medicine from the doctor i don't want to take opioids so what do you do well my wife said just please we know people who have been taking this and i'm like it's all natural it's not gonna work better living through dow chemical uh, and so I tried it. It's called Relief Factor. I went to relieffactor.com. I tried it for three weeks, which is what they recommend. If it works, order more. If it doesn't, stop taking it. For me, it worked. And 70%, over 70% of the people who take Relief Factor, who try it for the three weeks, go on to order more. That is a testament. It does work. It reduces inflammation, which changes your body. It's Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. This is why, welcome to the program, uh, we merged yesterday with uh, CRTV, and we are creating the Blaze TV. Now, this is something that I've talked about for a very long time because I saw deplatforming happen, you know, at Fox. That's basically what they tried to do to me is deplatform through uh, sponsorships. 
Now things are a little different. They still try to do that. They still do it. But we have started a subscription base, which is, has been the anchor and has kept us afloat when there is, is trouble. Uh, and we really appreciate that. However, this is not just an individual problem. They're going to pick us off one by one. And so CRTV and I got together and we talked about merging. And it's we've talked about it for a while, but we finally were able to put it together where it made sense. Uh, and so now Blaze TV has everything that CRTV used to have now under the name of Blaze TV. They have uh, uh, joined forces with us and we are thrilled, thrilled to have great partners. And the idea is, is that we are going to build a platform uh, that you really can't deplatform because it will be so robust and big and hopefully have so many subscribers that it doesn't matter what they do. We ask for your support and we are your help in preserving the voices. If you don't know who who is now on the Blaze TV, it's almost to the point of who's not on Blaze TV, but you can check it out at blazetv.com and subscribe now. We're so glad that you have joined us today. There's a, there's a couple of things that I want to uh, share with you. First of all, we were talking about China earlier and uh, the police state that has been coming. Uh, and we coupled it with, with Tim Cook and the wonderful things. He says that it's a sin not to deplatform people with, uh, with bad opinions. That is wow. in, that is in Leviticus, Glenn. Is it? If you read it, I yeah, it's Leviticus subparagraph four. Uh, <laughs> really, I C. didn't know that. It says you're supposed to you're supposed to deplatform ah. people. I because you know they, there's there's rumors that there might have been like fifteen uh, commandments. Either that or it was a Mel Brooks movie, and he dropped the third. I uh, saw tablet. that documentary. Yeah, yes, that okay. was a good remake. Uh, and so maybe it was on. Maybe it was like number fourteen. Yeah. on the Ten Commandments. Uh, but uh, there was a story that you brought to the table on the world, uh, the news and why it matters uh, last week mm-hmm. about a a scientist yes. who claims to have made a designer baby. Yes, and uh, what what happened there was, um, you know, you've got you've got different types of genetic modification that that are currently going on. So right now, something that's legal and happening presently in the United States, most Westernized countries, is um, you will, if you're doing in vitro fertilization, you'll have maybe eight viable embryos, and they'll. They'll go, well, this particular embryo has Down syndrome, and so you, uh, most people won't choose that. They'll go, so there's kind of a process of elimination. That's what already is on the table right now. What he did was he went in and um, found a gene that is uh, thought to control the protein by which the HIV virus enters, and he preemptively removed this gene. So it's not like there was a, a fundamental flaw with the embryos of these uh, twins that were there. There wasn't an existing problem that he was getting rid of. He was basically trying to preemptively soup up the kids to give them a uh, a uh, harder harder time uh, contracting HIV. Um, so this is it's low level stuff, but we have crossed that threshold into we are now actively proactively modifying people as opposed to just trying to change things that might be so i will i want to get into this here in a second but first let me tell you what happened to the science let me give you an yeah. update okay. and, and, and the last so the last i heard i'll say mm-hmm. there, there was massive and i'm i'm kind of like i'm i'm very optimistic about transhumanism and i think we should be living on mars with three heads and things so i'm <laughs> i'm all in favor of this stuff 
I want, I want to have a robot wife right. and like I, I want right. I, I had a guy in my program I want to have like taste buds installed all down my throat so I could I could feel the food the whole time <laughs> I think that would be great so I'm a fan you know, of this so stuff taste buds would make you taste it all the way down yeah, which I'm a, cool that sounds great yeah. I would love that yeah. I would like that even in my stomach well, it's, it's, yeah. stomach line with taste buds would be great well yeah so I'm, I'm all in favor of this stuff yeah. all right. um, he, he did have a, a very uh, strong backlash from the scientific community and from the bioethical community and uh, and from most um, most countries many of which have signed on to a um, there, there's some sort of anti-genetic engineering. Yeah. Um, uh, no three-headed baby thing. Yeah, and China was one of the signatories of that. Yeah. So, so China had also swung against him, and he'd, he'd been uh, kicked out of his university in southern mm-hmm. China for three years, is the last I heard. Well, um, he gave a speech to talk about this, uh, you know, just, uh, what, a week ago, two weeks mm-hmm. ago, and, um, and he hasn't been seen since. Uh, uh, and okay. uh, the Chinese said, we definitely have not detained him, which... Did he, he didn't go to a Saudi Arabian concert, did he? <laughs> no. I would just don't no. do that, guys. No. If you get invited to a, you're no. like, oh, I bet that's a fun cocktail party. Yeah. Don't go. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you speak. You don't speak Mandarin, so I don't no. know if we definitely don't have him. Translates to, oh yeah, we. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do think that I think that China will probably be the one that pushes that envelope because I, I, I think China, like, you know, there's the American dream, which is everybody has, you know, everybody gets a fair shot. And like, you know, I, I leave a better life than my kids are and all these different things. The China dream is China is amazing and it's much more collective in its mindset and it's much more statist in its mindset. And so I, I would not be surprised if within the next 10 years it's like, ah, well, there's, you know, we found a, a gene that helps math. We're going to make this, you know, more available. And, and oh, the, I the think body. absolutely. And they will do it, and they will, and that's when they will become the master race. Andrew, Isn't I mean and then Andrew Heaton's three-headed Martian babies sound a lot better right. in America, don't they? <laughs> that's right now we want so, those kids but, with extra taste buds. But don't you, what? What do you think you do for that? Because somebody's going to do that. Somebody mm-hmm. will do that, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be able to augment like that. I want to be able to to live free and True. and and be natural uh, you know i don't want weaknesses taken i think i think there's you know we're at the point to cuz you grew up religious right i did yeah yeah so you grew up i'm sure talking about you know the end of times, the mark of the beast, and oh, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, when okay. I'm from Oklahoma, yeah, okay. uh, the, the Left Behind series is foreign policy in Oklahoma. It's like okay. we're, we're all right, all right. So I remember as a kid we're talking about things like you know they're going to be able to you know uh, do anything with you and change you know change and and make you into superhuman, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I remember people always saying, "God will stop us before we can do that." You never heard that. That God will stop us before we cross any kind of real line. I've, I have, you know, I've heard that in terms of like, like we might cover this story later in terms of climate change and things like that. Yes. There's sort of a hard line there. Uh, and I, I, I don't think that. I think that it, based, based on all prior evidence, God will let us mess up a lot of things. Oh, yeah, I think before so too. he steps in. So I, I, I don't like oh, yeah. this idea that we're kind of on a kid leash. No, I don't think Almighty. so either. You know? I don't think so either. I, yeah, I interpret that, however, as uh, no, God's not going to stop you. He's just going to. You'll just die out. <laughs> You'll just because can't you think? And we don't have any idea. For instance, they're talking about now ridding the world of mosquitoes. Did you see this story? Great. Sounds it, doesn't yes. it? Sign okay. me up. Where do I so, send the money? I think it was Google or Alphabet has come up with something that they can now um, put into the male mosquito, which uh, stops them from reproducing or whatever. 80%. They've tried it in a couple of places. Mosquitoes have gone down 80% in one trial. We so, live in Texas, Glenn. I, no, no. I, I'm very well aware. Okay. I hate mosquitoes. Yeah. However... It talked about how this is going to be very lucrative and how it will save so many people and blah, blah, blah. But the last line was, 
However, um, the uh, the the biological effects of removing entire species like the mosquito, we have not studied to definitely know the ramifications. There will almost certainly be cascade effects from that. It's it would be very be. I mean, like, for one thing, bats are probably going to be more skinny. So if you want a bunch of skinny bats flying around, which I do, I, I think America's See, bats are slovenly and obese. I, I, what were the video games they're playing? I think we need to we just li- Have you ever lived around bats? Uh, like lots of bats? Not yet. I'm sure at some point okay. I'll live under a bridge. But So I... Wait, what? I just did say, you know, I'm, I'm right. only 34. I've got so, another. <laughs> you've got you've got your bat section yeah, of your life to go. It's, it's yeah. So I, I live up in Idaho for, you know, for the summers and stuff. And we have bats everywhere up there, uh, at, le- at least at my ranch. And they'll crawl into the smallest of spaces. OK, to keep warm. And we heard this on the walls. And we're like, oh, 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 this isn't good. So we went out and we took the siding off of that wall. We opened one piece of siding and Rafe still remembers this is the greatest day of his life. It was the scene from Batman where they just and the whole entire wall was full of bats. So you say to me, it's probably really good insulation. For your house, yeah, I, I bet, really you, I bet you saved on energy. Yeah, costs. I mean the collective beating heart is a little disturbing when you're yeah. going to sleep. But yeah, so is that the refrigerator? No, it's a hundred bats preparing to draw blood on our farm. Just because we can do things, I don't know if we should do things. Maybe we should sit around and talk about it a little bit more. You know, all of us. Sponsor this half hour is Simply Safe. Uh, Simply Safe. You, you know, you you can put off a lot of things. Joining the gym. I've done that my whole life, and look at look at the specimen that I am, kids. Why exercise? <clears throat> uh, you can put you know put off cleaning the gutters, but you shouldn't put off getting home security. It's your home, it's your family, and you know the thing is is that they don't want to come in at night. Generally speaking, most robberies happen in the middle of the day while you're at work because I mean. You think they're getting paid more to work at night? No, they don't want to work at night, just like you don't want to work at night. So they work in the daytime, just like you do. Simply Safe Home Security is going to make sure that whether people are in the house or not in the house, that you are safe. And you don't have to pay a middleman or you know schedule that six-hour installation window. What you do is you get Simply Safe at simplysafebeck.com. Within 30 minutes, this is all installed. You know what you need. You know what you want. It's high security cameras there's no wires um your all your windows are taking cover the motion sensors it's great and you can get a great offer right now at simplysafebeck.com simplysafebeck.com the monitoring is only $14.99 a month that's unheard of holiday deal ending soon right now at simplysafebeck.com Welcome to the program. Uh, don't forget, the uh, Blaze TV and uh, CRTV has merged now. BlazeTV.com. Go to the BlazeTV.com slash Beck. Try it out for a week. See what you are, are missing. And by the way, if you already have a CRTV or a Blaze uh, subscription, you get all of it now. Both of these things. It was costing 20 bucks a month. It's now $10 a month. Uh, and if you subscribe for the year and you use the promo code Beck Christmas, you're going to get $20 off. Makes a great Christmas gift for anybody and everybody, especially with some of the new shows that we have. Uh, one of those is uh, Andrew Heaton, mm-hmm. who is, uh, is well, 
I think comedian is a little too strong, uh, but he does a all new podcast called Something's Off with Andrew Heaton. And uh, we welcome him to the program. Thank you. Today. Yeah. Glenn, Glenn, may I do, um, you know, I've got a different ad campaign than you guys have. I, I have to seek out my advertisers to fund the program. Would it be all right if I went ahead and did, did one on here? Well, um, I guess. Okay. Thank you. So this is, um, I've, I've, as I said, my own ads on, on Something's Off with Andrew Heaton on my podcast. This is uh, going to be a sponsor later this week, but I get paid per ad. So I'm going to go ahead and run this. Times sure are fast-paced. It used to be that two days was considered a rush job. But with the advent of the email and the Snapchat and the Twitter, people want everything instantaneously. And let's face it, you'd be busy even if we cut everyone else out of the equation. Between paying your bills and buying groceries, taking the kids to Taekwondo, home repair, walking the dog, volunteering, and of course work, you were stretched pretty thin. So thank God for Uncle Milton's fish syrup. If you're like most Americans, you want to kick off your day with a hearty meal of waffles and liquefied fish. But you hardly even have time to make instant coffee in the morning. You're not honestly going to wake up another 15 minutes early to mash anchovies into a paste and then stir in the appropriate amount of water and cornstarch to create that (laughs) piscine fluid you can pour over your waffles. That would be insane. Fortunately, you don't have to. Uncle Milton's fish syrup tastes just like real homemade fish syrup with the same consistency and pungent flavor you so desperately crave each morning. This is not the same mass-produced, factory-made, bottom-shelf imitation fish paste liquid that you justifiably avoid. Oh, no. This is regular old-fashioned fish syrup just like Grandpa used to make before the cops got him. Uncle Milton's fish syrup. Start your morning the right way. Start your morning with liquefied fish. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Now back to the the program. Uh, Have you ever had fish syrup? Of course, that's how okay, I I'll, I'll get, get every morning I mean, with a, a, a hearty no, dose I, of fish. I know you I, grew I would up never in speak Oklahoma. Ill of my sponsor. Sure. Okay. Um, did you hear about the substitute teacher? Yes, I did. The, that has told the first grade students yeah. that that Santa is not real. Mm-hmm. First of all, kids, not true. Don't listen to this crazy person. That's that's Pennsylvania right there. Yeah. Is, is, was that Montville, Pennsylvania? Yes. No, New Jersey. Oh, it was New Jersey. Okay, so. So a substitute Poor teacher, man's Pennsylvania, New Jersey, <laughs> substitute teacher uh, for first grade students told the kids that Santa isn't real, uh, then went on and uh, said um, uh, parents just buy presents and put them under the tree. Oh, I wish that were true. Uh, and uh, and reindeer can't fly. Elves are not real. And the elf on the shelf is just a pretend doll that your parents move around. That, this that is, covered a lot of ground in that, that like third grade math class. What, what exactly? Is, this is first grade. First grade. Oh, first yeah, grade. What? I mean, that doesn't sound like a teacher having a bad day. That sounds, this like, sounds like an angry, angry. teacher. Can, it, I, can I tell you about the time that I think I almost got fired? And I'm going to I'm going to make this G rated. OK, um, but I so I, I was a, uh, in my colorful career. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a substitute teacher in the Deer Creek School District in Edmond, Oklahoma. And uh, and I, I well, they'll take anybody. Yeah, they'll, they'll, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I subbed between I think first grade was the youngest I did and up through high school. And uh, when I was sub- subbing first grade one uh, first grade one day, a kid came up and he went, "Mr. H, Bobby said the c word." And I went, "Oh no, Bobby, do not say the c word. You shouldn't." Yeah, he said crap. Oh yes, don't. <laughs> Say, say crap, crap children but i was about to like gather them. come here children don't here's a word i never want you to say here's what it means don't say this word the c word that i'm about to utter and i like that i was so close to getting fired from that job i think if i if that had happened oh. so but you you also did you not tell 
children about being eaten by yes i yeah I, well multiple things so like most uh, uh most substitute teaching a lot of the time the, the teachers don't want you to they don't want you to continue their lesson a lot of the time because they want to do that right so mm-hmm. they're kind of giving you they're a lot of the time they're giving you busy work and so for high school students i could do that i, w- I would roll in and go look uh don't do anything that gets you in trouble or gets me in trouble one of you needs to play chess with me. As long as we do that, I'm not going to make you do this ridiculous worksheet. You can just go on your phones or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, with with the so you were making sure us as parents were getting our money's worth. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, good. I you know I could I could smell busy work, uh, <laughs> okay, and I I'd, right. I'd make them do the busy work. All but right, I, okay. they they usually give me like an optional worksheet. But with with elementary school students, you know, we'd have something to do, and we we'd get through it, and then I'd go okay. If we get through this worksheet, the rest of the day will be Velociraptor Awareness Day. And we would, and like the kids would go, they'd get on Wikipedia. Apparently, velociraptors are basically large, angry chickens, is what we learned in, in real life. They, they were feathered, and they were about knee high. You yeah. wouldn't want to tangle with one, but they're right. not as depicted in Jurassic Park. That's from the research that I commissioned. From really? So they were not. Readers. They were not. They were not rip not, you apart. Not anatomically accurate. Yeah, really. That was, uh, yeah, they, so they were not as nasty as that. They, they really were just. I'm not. Well, I mean, like a honey badger is not that big, but I wouldn't tangle with a honey badger. Right, so okay. it's possible that All a velociraptor right. was really nasty. It's just that the kind of like man-sized velociraptor. Raptor. That was okay. Thing. Yeah. So they might have been smaller, vicious, and looked like a chicken. Yes. They they were. I I think they were super angry chickens. And I, I would also do. Uh, I would like for fifth graders. I would go. Okay. Uh, you know, we're done with the work. Let's do a. Um, let's do a mental exercise. What do we do if zombies attack? And I, I would and I would really gear it up to like, what do we do if there's a flood? What do we do if there's a fire? And then I'm like, okay, zombies attack. What do we do? And uh, you know, got those kids to start thinking about that. I actually think this is a good teacher. Thank you. I mean, I I think I, I mean. I think our teachers are so trapped in the box that they have to do it a certain way. They have to follow this. No, a good teacher is somebody who makes it theirs, you know, and, uh, you know, if you're going to use Santa as an example, that's great. Don't go there. But, you know, use Santa as an example or if you use motivation for, you know, Velociraptor Awareness Day, I think that's great stuff. The kids were jazzed. I would also when we were walking to the uh, computer room, I'd say, "Okay, you have to be quiet. But I want every kid to act like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And so there'd just be this line. I think this is what we got me in trouble with other teachers. Is you see a line of children in various stages of weird, angry faces all walking in dead fantastic, silence. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, back in just a second with the news of the day. I want to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor this half hour uh, for the um, uh, for the online uh, viewers is Home Title Lock. Home title lock, a retired FBI agent came in and he showed me exactly how to steal my home. Uh, he had my he had my title. He had the information. All he had to do was just go down, sign it, put a fake notary on it and file it with the city. And his and my house would have been his and I wouldn't even known it. And then they would have taken my equity and they would have, you know, built me of my equity in my home. It's crazy. Get a $100 search free to see if this has already happened to you. FBI's is fastest growing crime out there. $100 search for free right now. Sign up for Home Title Lock. I've done this for my house. Pat did it. Uh, Stu did it. We all did. Not because they're an advertiser, because we saw the effects of this. We went, holy cow. No one's watching over this except HomeTitleLock.com. Go there now. HomeTitleLock.com. Glenn Beck. <laughs> Forbes recently described student loan debt as a $1.5 trillion crisis, adding that student loan debt is now the second highest consumer debt category behind only mortgage debt and higher than both credit cards and auto loans. It's affecting 44 million borrowers in the U.S. 
That is, this is outrageous and bone crunching. There's also the cultural effect that having uh, that college is is having the indoctrination of young people that uh, are being subjected to more and more powerful people now are starting to recognize that college is an institution uh, that has real problems. Last Friday, Peter Thiel gave a keynote speech at the Intercollegiate Studies Institute's Collegiate Network Editors Conference. Wow, that's a mouthful. He told a room full of students, quote, universities today are as corrupt as the Catholic Church of 500 years ago. He's exactly right. And I don't know. I don't know how the universities don't see that they have become uh, the Catholic Church. And anyone who has a different idea is Galileo. He says at some point, if it's 100 to zero, you start to suspect that you're in North Korea. Does the unanimity mean that you've gotten the truth or does it mean that you're in a totalitarian state? We have this illusion that all sorts of important decisions have been decided. He added, we are not on the losing side of history. It's the other side that's on the losing side. The reformation is going to happen and it won't come from within, but without. Thiel now has actively uh, worked to bring about the change that he's been talking about here. The lawsuit he led against Gawker helped topple their empire. Uh, and he also created the, the Thiel Fellowship, which gives $100,000 to young people who want to build uh, you know, new things instead of sitting in a classroom. The idea that we're losing on the losing side is a form of psychological warfare, he said. And he's right. We're not on the losing side, not in the slightest. We're on the up and up. Things are going to get worse for the old institutions and better for the people. It's Tuesday, December 4th. You're listening to the Glenbeck program. We are uh, we're truly thrilled to uh, announce yesterday the um, uh, the merger of CRTV and The Blaze, now The Blaze TV, and one of our hosts is Ben Ferguson, host of The Ferguson Files, uh, a millennial uh, who has a lot of important things to uh, say and to be heard. Welcome to the program, Ben. How are you? Nice to be with you, man. It's a, it's always <laughs> a pleasure to chat with you. We finally get to work together, which I'm really excited about, and uh, it's uh, I feel like we've worked together for years because we've always been on the same radio station. Yeah. Uh, uh, where I've been working, whether it's in San Antonio or, or Memphis or Dallas, and it's nice to uh, actually get to work with you on this uh, in this new venture, which is going to be awesome. Well, it was funny because um, you were here and we were talking about uh, hiring you for some things, and at the same time, CRTV reached out. What you didn't know, you you were deciding between the two of us what you didn't know. We were both kind of talking to each other, going, "You could you take him, we'll take you." <laughs> between the <laughs> well, two of us, we couldn't tell you anyway. one way or another. We're all going to be working together. Man. so uh it's it's I love it. it's uh it's good to have you good to have you and uh, i'm pleased to be working in the same company with you so ben let's uh, talk go ahead go ahead uh no, let... i'm just gonna say it's gonna be a lot of fun i mean it's, it, there's so many different people that i've heard from uh that have just been talking about how they're loving the fact that they can get uh raw and real content without spin uh from people on their real passions in life and, and that's the thing that i've enjoyed the most and and why I, I hope a lot of people that are listening will take a look at 
it what has been built now into something that's a massive platform. So come on and join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. I couldn't believe CNN actually led the story yesterday with one of the biggest mergers uh, in conservative media history. Uh, and it, it is. I don't think people understand how how much talent is here and that we're still looking to partner with more people. Uh, and uh, and I, I think we're going to build a platform where these voices are safe and uh, and also we're going to save America a lot of of money here because it's nine ninety nine. where if you had subscriptions to both, you were already paying uh, 20 bucks. Now you're paying 10 bucks. Uh, and that's without any kind of uh, uh, discounts. So, Ben, let's yeah, I, let's go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I was just to say I've always I've always thought that you know we're always stronger together. And when the more conservative voices work together instead of competing against one another or trying to say oh I'm better than so and so, I I got into this business as you know when I was really young. I started radio when I was 12, uh, and I always looked up to to you and, and to others in the business as not competitors, but as you know, being at the forefront and, and talking about this. And, and I, I think that's one of the cool things that's happened with this younger generation of, of, of conservatives. I mean, I say younger, I'm now 30, you know, seven. Gosh, I'm getting old, Glenn, which means you're really getting old. I just want to <laughs> I know. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of younger people now that we're not as competitive. It's more about, okay, how can we work together? How can we uh, help one another out? How, we, how can we get the message out there? And I'll give you a great example. Uh, this morning, I was getting ready for the Ferguson file, and, and I was looking at what the Democratic National Committee chairman had to say on MSNBC. And he said that dreamers are every bit Americans as my three U.S.-born kids. And it's just not true. I, I don't hate dreamers. I think there, there needs to be some sort of pathway for some people that were brought here against their will at no choice their own with parents. I have compassion for people uh, that were brought here at a young age, and they ha- it was not their choice. Their parents did it. But to come out there and say that a, a non-American citizen is the same as an American citizen, and this is the platform that the, the chairman of the DNC is doing, and not just that, he also said, I think it's an economic imperative to allow illegal immigrants into this country, implying that somehow America cannot make it without illegals. Uh, you look at this message, and it's resonating with a lot of younger people who say, yeah, you know what? Maybe we are too prideful as Americans. Maybe we yeah. are too boisterous as Americans. Maybe we think too much of ourselves. Maybe we don't need to be this, we are better than other people. We need to be more kumbaya, and being an American is almost a shameful thing, and that's the new message of the Democratic National Committee and they're going to be trying to implement this for the next two years in Washington, in the House. And they're going to tell you that without these illegal immigrants, without the Dreamers, uh, our economy will, you know, will blow up. And, and I'm looking at this going, OK, you have unemployment rates at historic lows, lows of my lifetime. You have all time lows among Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, African Americans with, with, with unemployment numbers. We've got millions of people off of food stamps in this country don't look at me at the same time and tell me that our economy is going to be destroyed if I don't give you illegal immigrant labor in this country. That is just a false narrative. So, Ben, um, how is it that the Democrats think that they can say to now Europe, John Kerry, Hillary Clinton, going over and saying to Europe, wow, this mass immigration thing that we were all for, yeah, that really screwed you guys up. That was a really bad thing. You shouldn't have done that. 
How are they saying that at the very same time they're telling us we should be doing what Europe did? Right. It's do as I say, not as I do. It's this, and, and I think what it really comes back down to is Democrats understand that this is not about what's good for our economy. This is, this is about finding people that you can get to vote for you who will de- be dependent on the government. Uh, and, and the stronger the American economy is, I think the worse off it is for Democrats because the Democratic platform and what they have to offer is one that says to you, you cannot do it without us the government. You cannot survive without the government. You cannot go to college without the government. You can't get a loan without the government. You can't buy a house without the government. Without us, you cannot succeed. When you have Americans that are employed, that are making money, that are paying their own bills, uh, that, are, that, are, that are living what I would refer to as the actual American dream, it hurts the Democratic Party. How do you go out there and campaign against you have a great job and your kids are getting a good education and you're saving for retirement? It's very hard to do when what you're offering is despair and desperation relief. That's why Jesse Jackson, in a minute when he said it, said that, you know, it's an honor to be a food stamp president to Barack Obama when he had so many people on food stamps. They believe that because without having people depend on them, they lose voters. And they've seen that. And so now they're saying, okay, how do we get new voters to vote for us when an economy is doing well? The easiest way to do it is to import voters who you can then say, I just gave you something. I gave you citizenship. I gave you food stamps. I gave you government aid. Those evil Republicans didn't want you here. They treated you like you were evil people, which, again, as a, as a conservative, I don't blame any person for trying to come to America. I believe that America is the greatest country in the mm-hmm. world. I don't blame anyone that's in Venezuela or Honduras or Mexico for wanting to come into America. All I'm asking is, to do the same thing that you demand of me when I come visit your country, or if I want to come live in your country, do it the legal and the responsible way. And what the Democratic Party has said this morning, and this is the chairman saying this, he's saying to the American people, it's an economic imperative to let these people in. We will not survive without them. He also said it's a moral imperative. And, and again, this false equivalency where his words, dreamers are every bit Americans as my three U.S. born kids. That is not a fact. It's not actual. It's not reality. It's wrong. But when you can grab the 40 and under crowd in this country and get them to believe this and also feel shame for living in a great country or being prideful in the laws that have made this country great, you can change all this in one generation. And the majority of my friends are leaning towards the Democratic Party. They don't like the Republican Party, and it's terrifying. Let me ask you this, Ben. If you look at what's happening right now, you have the climate change crowd, 80% of Europe buys into it. 80% of France buys into it and think they have to do something. However, once the state starts to impose the taxes that are going to be required, you have riots and they're starting to spread all over Europe. France is a practically a war zone. You have mass immigration uh, over in Europe. When you see this, it's caused all kinds of, of violence all over. And, 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 uh, and really, the beginnings of a loss of country, you couple that with massive spending and you see the collapse of Europe. You see the collapse of Venezuela. Marxist principles don't work. You're seeing those things. Yeah. When, when you put all of these together, are, 
are the people who are still saying, no, I'm telling you, socialism will work and we need mass immigration. We need to open our borders and uh, and we need these high taxes on climate change because it'll be fine. Are they are they just slipped into some utopian dream world or or do they do they know this would collapse? I think. Yeah, I think it goes back to that issue of it all sounds great until it actually is implemented. I mean, I, let's let's just go back to France. You know, people I, I even saw people kind of mocking in the media, you know, that, that people died over a gasoline tax in, in France. And the question I say is, well, were these people willing to die over a gas tax? No, the people that died were willing to die over a government that had inflicted decades of, of policies that put the government ahead of the people. Mm-hmm. That's why three people died. It was not because of a simple tax increase. That's not why they died. It wasn't because of diesel tax increase of, of 16%, uh, which is what the Yellow Vest movement you know, basically is about. But it's much bigger than that. These people were willing to risk their lives because they lived under a government that put the government first, the citizens second, and they were starting to hurt. And it was hurting the poorest, uh, which, by the way, they sold these policies that it was going to help the poorest the most. But when you start running out of other people's money, mm-hmm. when you start having an economy that can't keep up with the demands of the government spending, you then get what we have now seen blow up in France, where you have three that have dead. You have 263 plus that are injured and many more arrested. And now the president's trying to do anything he can to get this back under control. And, and, and look at what he also did here. He didn't say, I'm not going to have the tax increase. What he said was, is I'll put a six-month moratorium mm-hmm. on it, hoping that the people that got organized, that started rioting, will go back to their lives, and then they can slip it right back in. They have no intention in France or any of these other countries to to basically truly change the way they're doing business. What France has said is, okay, we'll freeze this tax hike until you guys focus on something else. We'll freeze it long enough that you protesters will go home, that your yellow vests will somehow disappear in your closet, and then we can go back to doing exactly what we did before. And, and I, I say this to not just the people of France, I say to the people of America, Let's hope the politicians actually listen to the people and not go back to their old ways. I do think they're going to go back to their old ways. But what I will say is, is this is where we better pay attention and stand up to our government and, and make it clear that you're taking too much from us. You're spending too much of our money. I mean, I, I think the biggest issue facing my is going to be in my lifetime outside of national security and terrorism is going to be our trillion dollar deficits. At some point, that note, you're going to have to pay it off. The government has record uh, amounts of tax dollars they're bringing in while also spending more. There's never enough money that the government in this country, and I believe in any other country, will ever get in from its citizens that they say, we don't need any more. It will never happen because governments uh, inherently, I believe, are, are, are evil in the sense that they always want more for their projects and they don't put the citizens first. And that includes our government. Ben Ferguson from the Ben Ferguson Show and the Ferguson File, now on Blaze TV. Always good to talk to you, Ben. Best of luck and uh, good to be working in the same company, finally. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. I look forward to doing it a lot more. You got it. Ben Ferguson. Uh, you can now find him on the Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash back. Go there. Poke around for a week or two. See all of the voices that you uh, that you can now have. It's 
truly a remarkable group of people. Uh, and you can get a discount. If you sign up now, you'll get 20 bucks off. That's quite a savings. Get 20 bucks off right now. You have to use the promo code Beck Christmas. Beck Christmas. 20 bucks off. Go to theblazetv.com slash Beck. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Goldline now, our sponsor this half hour. Uh, gold is um, gold is a hedge against insanity. You know what he was talking about with the debt? Trillion dollars. It's actually going to be like $1.4, $1.6 trillion deficit every single year. And at some point, we are going to have to pay it off. And it's like that student debt. At some point, somebody's going to come and collect. That's what, what did I say? $1.4 trillion? How's that going to happen? How's that going to happen? Especially if we go into an economic downturn. People aren't going to be able to pay for that loan. And isn't it coincidental that the government made sure that you could never default on that loan? Oh, what, do we have debtor's prison? Look, here's the thing. Um, They are not going to solve the border. They're now talking about delaying that until Christmas. The new house starts after the first of the year. We are in uh, economic uncertain times. Things look like they're good, but just under the veneer, there's some real problems that are mounting up. You've got Europe in riots. Uh, You know, what's 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 coming our way? Oh, good news. The House has now been taken over by Nancy Pelosi, and they're going to do all kinds of investigation. So we're just going to be ripped apart from all sides. Not good. Please, a hedge against insanity. Visit Goldline now at goldline.com or call 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE. Ask them about this, their gold or silver Maple Flex card. They are fantastic. They're just like a credit card size. You slip it in your wallet, and now you can break it off. And things got really bad. You can break it off, and you've got gold or silver uh, that you know will get you home in times of an emergency or, or if, you, if you have enough, barter. Uh, your way out in case things are disrupted for a period of time. Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. We are uh, joined by Andrew Heaton today, uh, who is also part of Blaze TV. Something's off with Andrew Heaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a funny look at the uh, news of the day and mm-hmm. some of the other things. Welcome. And, and I have, as you can see, pushed Stu out. Of the co-pilot chair. Yeah, think, Stu is now dead to us. I, All hail Heaton. No, I, I think he's just on vacation. Yeah, you week. say that. But yeah. uh, <laughs> this, has been, this has been a house of cards scenario I've been planning right. for a couple of years now. He, okay. he thinks he's on vacation. Now. All right. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Andrew, we, uh, we have a, f- a few things to talk about. Um, I want to talk to you about climate change. Okay. Uh, and what's happening over in uh, Europe. First of all, where do you stand on climate change? Uh, I think it's happening. I think we're contributing to it. Uh, I would like everybody to sit down and come up with solutions to it. Uh, this is something I think is is lacking right now from discourse is uh, where just we're kind of arguing about whether it's happening or not. And there's just a lot of like you called me this. They called me that going on. And mm. I, I think that like I, I think that the whole thing would benefit from having everybody sit down. There's a lot of things that would benefit from a free market environmentalist perspective. Free market. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, like, well, we we'll get it. We we'll get yeah. into it in a second. As long as it's free market. Yeah. We're free pro market. I don't know yeah. how you want to say it, but yeah, there's, well, there's yeah, a way to do this. The government coming in and having a you know a carbon tax is not necessarily the best of ideas. We'll get into that okay. when we come back. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. You know, I think that uh, this week is the first week that I can say the the 
chalkboard that I hit for over a year at Fox before I left that the Arab Spring would lead to the destabilization of the Middle East. It would create a caliphate. It would cause chaos and spread to Europe, which would destabilize Europe. The right and the left extremes would begin to work together, not as if they're calling each other and planning things together. They'll just see a mutual opportunity to take Europe, and it would spread to the U.S. I think we're done with that chalkboard. It's been, what, nine years, eight years? But I think we're done. I think that now has all been fulfilled. And uh, you're seeing the destabilization and the right and the left working together now in Europe. And uh, Jason Buttrill is uh, with us, and uh, he can give us the the update on what we covered yesterday at 5 o'clock on the uh, Blaze TV. Um, yeah, and, and just to talk about you know, numbers, uh, uh, like I, I'm just, uh, this, this floors me. Uh, Emmanuel Macron's, uh, uh, updated approval rating is now 25%. Okay. Now you brought 25%. something up and I forgot that I even said this, but when Macron was, uh, was elected, I had said, you have hardcore communists and hardcore fascists and the people voted. I don't remember what the percentage was. It was a huge percent. Over 40%. Over 40% voted for those two. And uh, and so they wanted hardcore solutions. <clears throat> and then Macron <clears throat> gets in. And he's kind of just milquetoast nobody. And <clears throat> is just another empty suit of, of politician and, uh, and a media kind of uh, circus. And he wasn't going to do anything really meaningful except keep the status quo. And I said at the time, that's a recipe for disaster. And 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 always when we talk about this, always think about how this applies and the parallels to the United States. Yep, Macron on the left would be the Clintons, the establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, he would be Jeb Bush on the mm-hmm. right. Something that you know nothing is going to come of this. It's going to be everything that we've had for the past decade so, plus. This is French vanilla. This is French vanilla. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly right. Mm-hmm. Well, so that I, I'm I'm going to play the. Uh, I, I, when I was watching the French uh, French election, I, I was worried about the extreme right and the the rise of populism in France. So Me I, too. Was, I was rooting for Macron, and it sounds like no, you, no, 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 no. I was too, but it wasn't going to solve anything. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So this is because this is you a- have you're at a tipping point, and America has has reached this to some degree. It is the same thing that's happening over in Europe that is happening over here that gave us Donald Trump, and that is a media and a political ruling class. That is asking you to deny reality. Okay. Islamicists, Islamicists, there's no such thing as Islamicists. That's fine. Everything is fine. Their culture is even better than ours. No, no, excuse me. It's not. It's not. Islam, not a problem. Muslims, not a problem. Islamists, that's a problem. And there is a difference. And you can't tell me that the people who are marching in the streets of the UK saying death to the police and down with the UK who are just new immigrants from Pakistan is a good thing. That's not a good thing. Um, and, and so you're asked to deny reality. The, the, the media is going right along with it. Meanwhile, the people in power are getting richer and richer and more and more powerful. And they're completely disengaged from the streets. So what do they do? Because they don't have an American understanding of the right, which is small government, they only really have the government has to tell us what to do. 
So it's going to go fascist or communist one way or another. They get this milk toasty guy in between who is kind of a progressive. Well, they're done with that. They're, the, the French people are done with that. So it's only a matter of time before he's, he's out. And that's what we were looking at. We were like, if, if almost half your country voted for far right or far left politicians and they put in French vanilla, then what are they going to do when you get more vanilla over the next four plus years? That's only going to grow those bases. It's only going to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we would have seen here. You yeah. know what I mean? It's a, So we weren't really worried about Macron. We were worried about what comes next. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so just a, just, a, just a really quick, the update today on the protest situation. So Macron and the prime minister of France uh, called the organizers for this uh, for this movement to come together today, which this meeting already happened. And if they would, he would suspend this uh, this fuel tax uh, by six months. So that was his offer that got them to the negotiating table. Apparently, whatever happened once they were in that room did not satisfy them. And so they all left and said, "Okay, it's on for next Saturday and it's going to be worse than last weekend, which was by far the worst since these have happened since it began on November 17th. Um, So. These organizers have been kind of hard to track down. For one, it seemed kind of very unorganized. And now everyone is jumping and piling on. It's been a dog pile of people wanting to jump in on this movement. Um, Marie- this, is, this, this is the right and the left come together. It's not that they're working together. They're just seizing the opportunity of unrest. Exactly right. And so you've got uh, Marine Le Pen with the uh, National Front. Right. Bad guys. We don't want them. They should not have represented. They should not have been at CPAC. It was absolutely just they were ridiculous. An uh, outrage. She was. Why, why were why were French uh, French right wingers at CPAC? Yeah, thank that, you, Marion yeah. Le Pen, the yeah. new it girl for because them, of uh, because of um, uh, Bannon. Oh, good. Because of yeah. Bannon, that was a huge mistake. Um, so so National Front Marine Le Pen people are there. Um, the new far left, the uh, the man that uh, was the other f- uh, candidate that got 40 percent of the vote. Uh, his name is Jean-Luc Mélenchon, uh, Trotskyist communist. He's far left by French standards. right? Yeah, so far, le- far left by Lenin standards, uh. I would say <laughs> um, he he has also got his people out there and they're all jumping in. Now, the main organizers, which I'll reveal in a second, um, they're like, these guys need to get out of here. These guys are actually threatening the people that started this movement. They're threatening their families. They're threatening to do bodily harm to them because they want to take this movement over. Now, the people that started this, it all started actually with a woman that has been dubbed the Madonna of Yellow Vests, which I thought was pretty good. That is a pretty good title. Um, yeah. the Mad- not meaning meaning not not meaning the singer, but meaning the Virgin oh, Mary. No, never mind. I'm less impressed. I thought this was not wearing breast cones. Karaoke or something. Yeah, yeah, I was looking forward to seeing pictures. Yeah. She's an interesting, strange kind of character in this. Uh, she uh, is a what, what's the uh, accord? She's an accordion playing psychotherapist. That is her that background. Is, that is the French flag, is it not? Is it a, a, <laughs> right. It's like a smoking mind playing <laughs> right. an accordion on a couch. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, she, I, I went all the way back into her beginning. She wasn't all that political back in the day. She just took pictures of her family and, you know, and I mean, she was not really political at all. So just all of a sudden, out of nowhere in October, she does this viral video. And the movement she started... Which now she doesn't even want to take ownership of. And the people that have come with her don't want to take ownership of because this has become like a, uh, you know, kind of like how the right has started to rise up now, how they're getting violent. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's turning in the into that. Uh, in, in Europe. 
Right. Yes. It's they're like, whoa, whoa, we didn't mean for it to be this. If you're doing this, don't show up. So now they didn't even want to come to the table today because we don't want to claim ownership for this group. We don't know, but they ended up basically being forced into because there were the the, uh, the French president was like, look. Who do we talk to? Yeah, I was like, about to say, because there's not, who do we there's, there's not like an official, this isn't a union protest, right? No. This is just sort of a mass, yes. uh, spontaneous protest. So it's, who would you talk to? Started with a video on Facebook that now has over 10 million views. She did this video uh, in October, and she was protesting. And this is where we had, you guys were having a discussion a little bit about climate change and all that mm-hmm. stuff off air. And I wanted to save this for this. Um, I can't, I tried to get my brother to say, look. I understand there's something going on with the climate. I don't think it's as uh, I know it's not uh, as bad as what they say it is. Um, but just think about who, you know, will gain from a lot of the initiatives they want they want to do. Anytime you have the government that wants to get involved, there's some there's some gain going on. In my opinion, you cannot trust them whatsoever. I'm personally for a total free market um, resolution to it and just let I, I think technological advance is going to happen it is let it happen you it's can't going stop it talk it's to going Ray to Kurs- change talk to Ray Kurzweil and uh, talk to really any of these futurists energy is going to completely change in 10 years it's I mean w- w- talking about this stuff now you know and a carbon tax and everything else in 10 years we may not even need any kind of fossil fuel that's I mean, why it's it's just you know when 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 solar panels become the size of a an envelope that can power your house and the battery is changed, you're done. You're done. The, I, the, I can't stand it when you guys out free market me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm usually the, the, the free market lunatic in the room, and, yeah, and no. you guys might actually do it to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I see. We were talking a little bit off air about this. I, I do think climate change is happening. I think it is uh, disconcerting, and I think we should be doing things actively for it, right? Um, which is why I wish um, that uh, conservatives and libertarians would, would sit at that table more frequently and talk about their assessment of it and because, what solutions they have. Here's, may I say, here's why I think. Because if you say climate change is happening, you automatically then open up the door to, okay, well, we have to do something. Well, wait a minute. Climate change is happening, but climate change is always happening. Sure. It's always changing. So there is a cycle of the earth. I don't know what that cycle is. Now, all of the predictions that they made with the hockey stick and everything else as CO2 goes up, so will that that's been proven wrong in the last 15 years. It's not happening. Now, they say it's on a pause. But why didn't you tell us there could be a pause? They didn't even know. So is it a pause? Maybe it's a pause. Maybe it's not a pause. Maybe you're wrong in that. So I believe that climate change is happening. I also believe man can hurt the earth and the atmosphere. That only makes sense. Look at China. Look what we're doing, what they're doing to the seas and the air in China. I don't want to live like that. I I don't think anybody wants to live like that. That's an out-of-control government. Then look at the United States and what we were and what we are now. We're leading the world in this already through free market principles the 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 more we uh, in we we, you're, we we surpassed the kyoto protocol which was a big thing when i was in high school is that we hadn't signed on to the kyoto protocol we surpassed it we've surpassed the goals from that that's actually it's through fracking which is where one of the things where i'd like conservatives and libertarians to step up because as a result of not sitting at the table and, and discussing solutions to this there's a lot of things that are just completely unchecked in terms right, of but they won't listen to they won't listen about fracking i mean look every time you come up with something you know the cleanest energy in the world 
nuclear, nuclear? which yep. which again is, is something where I think that the right the the conservative libertarian solution should be or part of it should be look um, we we do think this is happening we should be doing stuff about it and one of the things that's hamstringing us right now is these very stringent very anti nuclear regulations which keeps us from exploring this other energy sector and reducing. And, and, and fracking, and that's a very good example, because the fracking revolution happened, and it was bred out of competition. Mm-hmm. So it was bred out of competition. So it was when the Saudis started pumping ridiculous amounts of oil, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, lowered their oil output to basically drive them out of business. They did for about a year or so. And then they were forced to evolve. They were forced to do it, or right. they were just going to go under. And, and if you look at all of the money the government has spent on electric cars, on solar panel industries, all those things... Those all went by the wayside because that doesn't work. But the free market, when there's competition, it always, always works. Okay, back in just a second. Thank you very much, Jason. Uh, Our sponsor this half hour is American Financing. You might have been solicited for credit repair services. Um, You know, if you have debt that's a little out of control. But there are high costs involved in that, including fees to the settlement company and the taxes on your debt. And you've written it off and it's not going to help your credit. There is another way, and it is debt consolidation. Now, this means that you pay your debt, you consolidate that debt, and you're moving on into a new loan that you pay off. But that loan has really competitive interest rates. And because you've put all of it together and you're going to, uh, you know, uh, pay it off over a certain amount of time with a low interest rates instead of what, 19, 20 percent on your credit card. It's not going to take a hit. You're actually going to be able to save five or uh, five hundred to a thousand dollars a month, a month. Can you swing that? American financing, salary-based mortgage consultants that will look at a way for you to consolidate your debt. They may even get you closed in as fast as ten days. So get started right now. Pick up your phone and and uh, dial pound two fifty. That's pound two fifty on your. Of course, if Maybe if you're young, you don't know what pound is. Hashtag 250 on your phone using the keyword American loan. Hashtag or pound 250 on your phone. Use the keyword American loan, or you can go to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, Welcome to the uh, program. We're talking to uh, Jason Petrillo, who's our, um, our, our head researcher uh, here at the Glenn Beck program and has been following uh, all of the foreign affairs and following uh, a lot of the, the um, I hate to use the word prediction, uh, forecast, if you will, of what I think is coming. And we've been watching uh, these riots now in Europe. And he's been tracking down the organizers. So we have this one woman who is kind of the... the the leader, but not really. She just kind of started this. Um, she's a famous French person and, and uh, did a YouTube video and it caught on. And, and that's where this came from. Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Jacqueline Murad, the Madonna, of the yellow vest. She, she kind of represented these middle class of uh, Frenchmen from the, uh, you know, from the suburbs okay. of, the, of the bigger cities. So give me a, cause I only have about a, a minute. Give me, give me some of the other, uh, organizers now so uh, the uh, people that are jumping on with her uh, there's one guy there's three main ones there's another guy named eric druett who is uh also uh he, he's he's similar to jacqueline i think he's not he's not very really really hardcore um but he has talked about islamization um immigration uh-huh. high taxes all that stuff another guy named christoph challen i'm probably butchering the name 
but he's one of the more like uh, he's more political than the others. You look back through his feed, and he's always talking about. And what is his bend? What is his bend? Left or right? Uh, it looks like right. Looks it like right. Looks like right. Okay. Um, so those three, they're the ones that have been all over the media. They're the ones that are showing up to all the uh, discussions with the government. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, though, that like this last guy, Christoph Chalancone, he represents more of the guys that are jumping on from the right. They're the ones that can kind of more sling towards like Marine Le Pen National, you know, and, and National Front. These are the people that are starting to dogpile. We're going to continue to watch what's happening in France because uh, what happens in France is going to spread to Europe and then it will jump over here and we'll have more in a minute. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to tell you about something that you should either end your day with or um, start your morning with, and that is the news and why it matters. If you like this show, you're going to love the news and why it matters. It's a bunch of us that all get together at the end of the day and just talk about the stories that matter to you and your life. The news and why it matters. Look for it now wherever you download your favorite podcast. Glenn Beck. Tika Tawari um, was on this program a few months ago, and he made a very bold prediction. And I said, don't do it, Tika, don't do it. And he said, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in particular, is going to be at 40000 by the end of the year. It's kind of gone in the opposite direction. When he said that it was maybe $7,000, uh, it is now today at $3,900. Um, I have talked to I called him and I was like, uh, so Tika, uh, what, what's the deal? And I want you to hear his answer because I think it's uh, uh, I think it's logical. <laughs> Maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think it's totally logical. Tika, welcome to the program. How are you? Glenn, I'm great. Thanks for having me here. You bet. And uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about really two things today. One, my Bitcoin forty thousand dollar prediction. What's going on with Bitcoin right now? And two, why the selling is not over. And I want to explain what's what's behind that. Okay. So. Uh, because I've set a I've set a price to where I want to buy more Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that makes me a double sucker, but I, I, but I'd like to hear what you think the the low price uh, or when you think it's going to start to hit towards bottom. But okay, go- the first thing I want to talk about though is the, is Bitcoin forty k. So yes. whenever I'm asked a question, I will always tell somebody what I truly believe. Even if it could, if, even if it could come back to make me look foolish later, I, I hate it when people talk out of both sides of their mouth. Well, maybe it'll do this, maybe it'll do that. I want to know what you what you believe, and then so I can make up my own mind. And um, you said uh, to me, you sa- you said yeah. to me the night you made this prediction, I said off air, I said Tika, what are you doing? Don't do that. And you said, Glenn, I have to because that's what my analysis says. So I'm just Correct. telling you what the facts. Tell me you can believe it or not. Right. Because every fundamental reason that I forecasted behind my projection of Bitcoin 40K came true. I said a major endowment would buy Bitcoin on October 5th. David Swenson of the $30 billion Yale endowment bought into crypto. Then Harvard and Stanford followed him. I said Wall Street would open up their trading platforms and provide custody for crypto. Now Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, the owners of the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ have all announced plans to start trading Bitcoin. 
Northern Trust is creating a custody product, and even State Street, America's largest custodian, is getting active in the States. So what's the piece I got wrong, right? So all the fundamental research that said, okay, all these new players are coming into space, everything that I predicted came true. But the one piece that I got wrong that I'm absolutely willing to own 100% is I got the investor sentiment Mm -hmm. piece wrong. I misunderstood just how bad investor sentiment was. The market does not believe anything but bad news right now. Um, It's just taking the stance of, well, okay, yeah, fidelity, okay, great, let's, let's see it actually happen. Now, all of these things are actually happening. The last time, Glenn, I saw such a disconnect between the fundamentals and investor sentiment was an Apple computer back in 2003. Back in 2003, everybody thought Apple Computer was going out of business. They had the hottest product in the world, the iPod. Uh, They said they were going to open it up to the PC realm. Nobody believed them. The stock actually dropped 40% that year. It wasn't until 2004 when they actually uh, uh, opened it up to the PC realm and their sales started going gangbusters that Apple stock started taking off. So, again... So what do you think it's going to take to change the investor sentiment? We're going to have to see uh, this new platform by um, BACT, which is uh, ICE, the owner of the New York Stock Exchange. That has to launch. That's going to be launching on July 24th. We're going to have to see Fidelity launch their custody product and actually integrate Bitcoin trading into their uh, desktop platform. That's going to launch between Q1 and Q2. TD Ameritrade has said that they're going to add Bitcoin trading to their platform. We're going to have to actually see it, right? The market is taking the stance of we need to see this happen. So that's, but the good news is all of that is going to happen within Q1 and Q2 of 2019. All of those institutions are coming into the space. Not a single one of these institutions has said, oh, you know, we don't like the way Bitcoin's trading. We're pulling out. In fact, NASDAQ just said, well, we don't care. Bitcoin's going down. We're moving full ahead with our Bitcoin products. Fidelity has said the same thing. TD Ameritrade has said the same thing. Not a single institution in the space has backtracked on their plans to open up their trading platforms to Bitcoin buyers. And that, to me, is the news that we have to look at because the news that's dominating the market right now is all this forced selling of Bitcoin and Ethereum that's happening because ICOs are coming under the regulatory magnifying glass of the SEC. Hey, the SEC is... Yes, I, I apologize for jumping in, but I, I do have a question yeah. I'm burning to ask you. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Andrew Heaton. I'm the, uh, the delightful funny man that's accompanying Glenn today. <laughs> Um, hey, Andrew. So, something that I, I want to ask someone that, that knows cryptocurrency very well about is why it's not being adopted in places like Venezuela. Because one of the, one of the selling points mm-hmm. of cryptocurrencies, I understand it, is that it's, it's inflation-proof. And the government, if, if the government decides to implode a currency to inflate away the debt, your, your, your value would not be lost. But I, I, don't see, I don't see any stories of mass adoption of cryptocurrency in Venezuela. Why, why isn't that happening? Oh, it is happening. That's how people are living. People are living. They're taking Bitcoin and buying gift cards on Amazon, ordering goods on Amazon, and that's how they're surviving. There's two, the two top currencies in Venezuela right now are Bitcoin and another one called Dash. In mm-hmm. fact, there's more than mm-hmm. 22,000 people, uh, 22,000 businesses now just using cryptocurrency down there because you can't use cash. It's completely right. worth. At one point, they were literally. I, was, I read a story about how shopkeeps were 
uh, weighing piles of money instead of counting it. They would just they would uh, right. they would weigh it by the pound or probably by the yeah. you know k- kilometer or whatever the <laughs> kilo kilo yeah. <laughs> right, the kilo yes <laughs> yes. But to talk to you about about the price action right now, if you remember back in oh eight and oh nine, we had all that forced margin selling, right? So you had great companies like American Express trading below ten dollars, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Nobody wants to sell American Express at nine bucks, but they had to because they had margin calls. This is in so two thousand eight. 2008, 2009. So we're seeing something similar right now happen with Bitcoin and Ethereum. Thousands of companies raised money and there were only two ways to do it. You had to uh, raise it in either Bitcoin or Ethereum. Well, now the SEC saying, well, all of you guys broke the law. You're actually securities. Now we're going to fine you and you're going to have to give money back to your investors. So there's this huge rush of where the lawyers are saying, look, guys, you've got to raise cash and you've got to do it right now. And so there's this massive forced liquidation of Bitcoin and massive forced liquidation of Ethereum. Now, how long does that last? Probably a few weeks more, Glenn. That, 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 that's, not a, that's not a one, two, three thing and done. So that's why I say, let's take a step back. Let's get this forced selling out of the way. And then I think the dust will settle here probably in, a, in about a week or two. So I uh, I kind of said that I would uh, in my own head when I started s- s- saw it start to fall that mm-hmm. I would reinvest uh, some money in it if it if it hit uh, uh, thirty nine hundred it just hit thirty nine and I thought I will make the same kind of investment in Bitcoin mm-hmm. uh, that I made uh, at first uh, if it hits three thousand do you think it's mm-hmm. do you think it could hit three thousand. Yeah, I, th- I think on a, on a panic low, we could go 2,500, no problem. Wow. On a, on a panic low. Yeah, because this is panic selling. Uh, I, I, listen, when I went to 08, 09, I, I c- it couldn't conceive that a stock like J.P. Morgan could drop 80% or a stock like Amazon could drop 66% or Amex could drop close to 90%. But in, when you have forced selling, logic goes out the window uh finance goes out the window it's just it's blind panic and that's what we're in the middle of right now in this market right so you, you've got to you've got to look at the market and you've got to say okay where are we and we're in this panic selling the panic selling doesn't last forever i think within a couple of weeks everybody that had to sell needed to sell wanted to sell will will be out but i still think there's probably a bit more downside ahead tika is this a is this an app comparison that um the reason why we don't have self-driving cars right now is really not the technology of the car it's the 5g network it's we need to cure the latency problems right and so and so it it would be like you saying well i've invested all this money and you know in self-driving cars and they can't do anything but you know lane assist well yeah yeah but there's other things that have to happen and then that technology is just going to explode because it's already it's 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 ready it just needs the follow-up technology do you think that's a fair comparison I do think that's a fair comparison. I think what we have to look at is we have to look at the greediest, smartest investors in the world, and that's Wall Street. And the greediest, smartest investors in the world are running to this asset. They are building the on-ramps to bring their investors and their investors' capital into this market. 
right? They're not running away from it. It's like the internet when, when, you know, when you had the first blow up in the internet. If everybody just stopped using the internet, the internet went dark, we could say, oh, that, oh, that was just a fad and what's the point? But, but that's, that wasn't the case. The people kept building. And that's exactly what's happening here uh, within the blockchain cryptocurrency space. And if you look at every product that is being built by Wall Street to be sold to their 500 million customers, they're all being built around Bitcoin. And what's good for Bitcoin is good for the entire ecosystem. So, uh, so what uh, I'm saying... Go ahead, don't go ahead. What, what, I, what I'm saying is we've got to get through this for selling, just like we had to go through 08 and 09, and then we've got to go into 2019, and we've got to let these big banks build this infrastructure into cryptocurrency, and we will watch literally hundreds of billions of dollars of new money come into the space. So it's unpleasant, absolutely unpleasant, but... Uh, the worst thing you could do is just liquidate down here, and it, it would just be terrible timing to do that. The sun will shine again. One last question on this. I've had people yeah. tell me, Glenn, Bitcoin will never work because it's too expensive to trade in and too slow. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you answer that? Yes. Uh, so the, the answer to that is what's called Layer 2 solution. So that's called the Lightning Network. And the Lightning Network allows you to trade using the Bitcoin network. It reduces the feeds to almost zero and virtually limitless amounts of trades per second. The other piece that I will say is that what will happen with Bitcoin is I think it will be used more for higher dollar transactions if you want to write directly to the Bitcoin blockchain. So complaining that Bitcoin is slow and expensive is complaining. It's like saying, you know, my Ferrari sucks because it can't haul firewood, right? It's, it's built for something very specific. But again, the good news is layer two solutions are coming that will allow Bitcoin to scale where if you want to buy a Bitcoin, if you want to buy a cup of coffee with your Bitcoin, you'll be able to do that once layer two is live, which I would say we're probably about a year away. So if you say that Bitcoin is going to be for major investments, you know, kind of like a gold reserve, if you will. What gives yeah. it its value? What gives it its value is that it's completely tamper-proof and sensor-resistant. So you, you can't go in there and change the amount of Bitcoins that are going to exist. You can't go in there and change the document. Let's say you and I are two different countries, and we create a document, and we want to be able to prove that that document can't be tampered with. We can take a hash of that document, which is basically a code, and write it into the Bitcoin blockchain. And we can ar arrange it so the Bitcoin blockchain is constantly checking our document. If our document, if one sentence, one line, one period gets changed, it, the hash will be different. And it will say, hey, somebody's tampered with this document. So being able to have tamper-proof documents, being able to move money without the need for a trusted third party, being able to move enormous amounts of money for fractions of a dollar um, is valuable. Being able to self-custody your money in a way that is portable, in a way that gold isn't, is incredibly valuable. So I, I think that that value will continue to be realized as we move forward. And I would remind you, Glenn, that this isn't our first rodeo with Bitcoin going down 80%. Mm -hmm. This is the fifth, sixth time that it's experienced this kind of a pullback. And one thing that I've always said, and I said it when we had our meeting together, is that you know, if you're going to get involved in crypto, you have to know that there'll be at least one or two times when your whole portfolio is down 80 or 85 percent. That makes me and, feel and much the way, better. 
yeah, yeah. it does doesn't it yeah i mean all i think all of this stuff makes well, sense and, and, then, and then plus two i think like i'm i'm not a uh, I, this was kind of my first foray into investing outside of an index fund and the, the thing that strikes me is that it's so fast in the cycle whereas nor- normally i think you would kind of you know get into something and wait a while whereas with this it'll change week by week um so i've been kind of impatient with it yeah um right. uh, so Go ahead quickly. I'll just want to say one quick thing here is that in the stock market, we get crashes like this maybe twice every hundred years. In the crypto market, we get crashes like this every two to three years. So it's very different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tika Tawari from uh, the truth about cryptocurrencies.com, truth about cryptocurrencies.com. He is also the uh, educator on the uh, smart crypto course.com, which uh, is an advertiser on this program, but uh, also something that we asked uh, Tika to, to, to put together for this audience. So you can understand it. Smart crypto course.com. Tika, thank you so much. We'll talk again. Our sponsor this half hour is LifeLock. Uh, News of a new data breach. Biggest now in history. A major hotel chain has, uh, has, you know, had their information breached. 500 million customers. Uh, Which hotel chain do you think that is? I mean, that's going to... I'm going to go with Marriott. Marriott, Motel 6, Hilton maybe. It's got to be all over the world. 500 million guests. Wow. So if, if I'm just out of curiosity regularly meeting in a certain motel with a certain person, would this this now be public knowledge? This now would be public. Okay. Yeah, so good for you. Good for you. Hotel guest reservation database, names, email addresses, payment information, passport numbers, all of it. Now, this is not the first of the kind. Billions of names have been stolen here in just the last couple of years with data breaches. Uh, so what are you going to do? How do you protect yourself? lifelock.com lifelock.com now with uh, norton security so norton is going to protect your devices and lifelock is protecting your identity i want you to go to lifelock.com right now and use the promo code back lifelock.com promo code back and uh and check out the uh the the service that they offer it's unlike anything else nobody else does this they're going to see the things and catch the things that you might miss they've already done this for me a couple of times the threats are real and they're out there and lifelock can do it now nobody can you know stop all cyber threats and you know all that crap um, however, LifeLock is the best in the business. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code back. That's LifeLock.com. Welcome to the program. Glad you're here. Uh, we are going to be uh, joined by um, a- another great, great guest who is just joining us uh, on the Blaze TV network. And uh, Andrew Heaton is uh, with us today, who does Something's Off with Andrew Heaton. Mm-hmm. So welcome to you, Andrew. Thank you very much. And uh, may I give a, a shout out to a sponsor here, Glenn? Uh, well, not, no, I mean, not not really, but uh, it looks go, like you're going to go. I'm going to go ahead and go into it uh, yeah. because I'm paid by the ad. Uh, my podcast, Something's Off with Andrew Heaton, is uh, brought to us by Snuffies off Route 44, where all of the waiters and waitresses are on horseback. And this holiday season, Snuffies wants to wish you a happy holidays and Merry Christmas. If you say Something's Off with Andrew Heaton while you get there, you get a free mug of horse nog. Or a delicious jar of quail pudding, but not both. It's just one of those two. Also, come out this weekend to Snuffy's. They're doing a nativity scene where, just like the like the restaurant, all of the actors will be on horseback. Uh, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and because there are donkeys and camels, there will be people in donkeys and camel costumes on horseback. 
uh, for the nativity scene. So Snuffy's now, off Route 44. So now Jesus is on horseback? He's on a Shetland pony. It's a toddler. His name is Dylan. And uh, he's, on a, really? he's on a Shetland pony. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really great restaurant off Route 44. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, it's I've, obsessed with horses, though. Yeah. Now, so horse nog, do they make that out of horses? No, or? I think it's just regular regular eggnog. Eggnog. They, just call I don't think you've been out there yet, but the, the deal with Snuffy's is it's a, it's a diner where all of the waiters are on horseback so inside the So the horses are serving the food. Yes, in effect, yeah. The you're you're the the waiter's coming up to you on horseback in the you're at a booth. You're just a regular guy, right? Right. Yeah. And then okay. then a clop 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 clop. The horse right. comes up and there's a guy and that's their thing. And they're not in the kitchen. No, there's actually health sanitation laws that don't allow them okay. to do. It's kind of a Y shaped right. diner. They have to put them in a stable. So when why they go in. why the why the nativity scene on on? They're super into this horse motif, Glenn. Yeah. That's why they're all you know the. Anything you can think of involved in the nativity scene is on horseback, including including the star. The, the toddler, there's a guy in a star costume. He's on horseback. On the horseback. He's, I think it's an Appaloosa. I don't know. I, I, they yeah. gave me a rundown of the spreadsheet of all the different horses and things. But yeah, the star is there. Gabriel's on a horse. Um, again, because there were donkeys. The shepherds and would be on a horse. The shepherds were on horses. Make, that would be then. Uh, they would be cowboys. Guys in donkey costumes with donkey masks, which I find horrifying. Right. They're on right. horses. Huh. Very confusing for children. Yeah, I was going to say it would be hard to yeah, explain it's, it's to your children to... why the donkey is riding the horse. And it, it, it places sort of undue emphasis on horses, in my opinion, and in the actual birth of Christ. But right. this is, you know, it's their thing. Because I don't believe there were any horses. I, you'll have to take that up with Snuffies. The... Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Andrew. Appreciate it. Um, stand by. More on the news of the day when we come back. Let me give you this story. Um... In Tennessee, a woman pleaded guilty to performing sex act on a 16-year-old boy who played on her husband's football team. She's now claiming that the acts were consensual uh, and asking for the civil suit to be tossed. She is in uh, she is in jail now. She she pleaded guilty to six counts of statutory rape. Uh, she, they, she said that she and this high school kid uh, had sex at least 11 times in her home and then in her car. And then uh, she was sending him, uh, you know, videos. I think I kissed a girl in high school. That was the, the extent of uh, I'm not I'm not saying this is good for the kid. I'm just thinking I lived in a very different world. I lived in a very different world as yeah. well. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the the attorney is now saying that he was not a victim of sexual abuse. Uh, that he was uh, allegedly a willing participant. Now, if I said that about a 15 or 16-year-old girl and a 29-year-old boy, things would be different. But apparently, you know, this is this is fine to say about boys. There's, I think there's a whole Joe Rogan thing about this. I think Joe, Joe Rogan's latest album, he has like six minutes of, of time dedicated to exploring this very issue. And uh, I, I think he kind of comes down on that position that it's like, nah, I'm not really worried about the guy, but if it were my daughter, I'd kill you. Something like that. I think that was his position. I'd kill you if you did that to my son. Okay. I'd kill you. I mean, is some 29-year-old coming in and, 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 and having sex with my son? Here's what's weird is the, 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 the husband had no idea. He's a high school coach. Kid was having a hard time uh, and friends with his, uh, friends with his uh, son. So he says, hey, you know what? Why don't you guys just move into the house? Uh, and so they did. And then mom starts having sex with the, you know, one boy. Uh, and, um, and so then the dad doesn't know still, but there are other problems. And he's like, you know what, guys, we just can't handle this. You got to move out. And the, the real problem here with this, with this kid's case is 
He apparently went back to lobby the coach and said, you know what, we really, this is real hardship. I mean, we'd love to, I mean, we'll behave ourselves. We'd love to move back. And, of course, his loving wife said, you know what, honey, I think so. I think that, and then the sex continued. Wow. So, you know, it's kind of a hard case. Is there, is there, on, is on there any one. word for the coach, how that guy's doing? Uh, he quit his job, but it's, it says in the story, he still backs his wife. Really? Yeah. Uh, what into a garage close the door and leave the <laughs> leave the engine on what it's what i do you mean you, you back know, your wife it's going to be a very awkward christmas regardless of how the legal proceedings oh my gosh going. really not good yeah. not good uh graham allen is joining us uh graham allen is one of the hosts on uh, blaze tv uh, rant nation hello graham how are you Hey, Glenn, thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. Um, Graham, tell me a little bit about yourself. For people who don't know you, introduce yourself. Uh, well, for people who don't know me, I am uh, a dumb redneck from Mississippi that somehow uh, stumbled on into people's uh, TVs and in their homes. <laughs> I think no, you're being, I think you're being a little, you're not a dumb redneck, but you are, no, uh, no, no, no. you are a redneck. I, um, yeah, I am a redneck from yeah. Mississippi. I, I, I'm a 12-year Army veteran, and uh, yeah, I, I created uh, something called the Daily Rants and the Dear America brand that uh, a large group of Americans seem to identify with, and that led into the creation of Rant Nation. And so we are a pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, pro-family values uh, show and uh, yeah, uh, things have been going good so far, and I'm very, very blessed to uh, be talking to you right now. So, you know, Grant is one of these guys. I don't know if this has happened to you yet. You'll go into a town or something, and there'll be this huge crowd lying around the block, and you'll say, "Whoa, what's happening there? Who's there?" And they'll they'll give you a name. They'll say, "Oh, well, I that's so and so," and you're like, "Who the hell is that?" And you're like a huge internet sensation. We have, it's a weird thing now because we used to have broadcast yeah. where everybody had to be a fan, you know, or at least if you had a big fan base, everybody knew your name. Now, because of the internet, these guys like Graham can grow and have a huge fan base, but it's in their fan base. And so you just walk by him in the grocery store and you're like, you have no idea. He's a big deal. He's a big deal. Well, I, I will be more respectful. Well, I don't. I don't think he even wants you to address him. Uh, okay. That's what he asked I'll, I'll for. avoid eye contact. Okay, good. I, I, I love you to death, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, so Graham, uh, yes, what we're looking at, uh, you know, this coming year and what we've seen this year, what are, you, what are the biggest things that keep you up at night that make you say, we really have to get a handle on this? We have to talk about this. Uh, I think that we have uh, the the fact that we have Democratic Socialists even on ballots is probably something that should keep everybody up at night. Um, I, I think that we're, I, I don't know, I think we're entering into a world where all we ever wanted was for our younger generations to get involved with, you know, politics and voting and this. But what's happened is we've got these highly impressionable minds that are just believing garbage that they hear on, you know, lies and fake news. And so now we are actually, unfortunately, potentially having to have conversations of, of how do we combat young voters and, and what it is that they're trying to believe that America needs to change into. And so I, I don't know. It, it's a it's kind of like this just unfortunate thing that all we ever wanted was for, you know, for 18 year olds and up to, to become active 
in our society and active in our country and vote and make a difference. But but unfortunately, it seems that a lot of our younger generations are believing the lies that socialism is a good thing. Well, I think it's it's I think it's coming apart more. Um, I mean, at the seams on on every front. If you look at uh, a new survey out of those under 38, how old are you? I'm Andrew? 34. You're 34. And Graham, how old are you? I turn 32 next month. Actually. Okay. So those under 38, you both fit in this. About half of those surveyed believe the United States is both a racist and sexist nation. Do you think that's true in the people you talk to in your age group? Uh, do I personally think that's true, or do I think that no. that is a widespread belief? Widespread belief I think that, that is you a widespread see it belief. In, yeah. Do you see it in your friends? Yeah. Well, I, I lived in New York the last six years, yes. Oh, yeah. How about you, Graham? Uh, well, the answer for me would be no. Uh, you know, well, 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 where where I live, you know, I, I can... I can honestly say that I don't surround myself with people that are racist or, or that think that, you know, one skin color is superior to another. And if, so, no, 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 no. They, no, no, no. I'm saying that they believe yeah. half oh, of them believe that yeah. the United States is racist and sexist. Well, I'd want to know who they're asking. But, but but yeah, I believe it. I believe that there are groups of people or whoever it is that they are polling that, uh, yeah, I believe that, there's, that there's there's also I, I think it's interesting you brought up democratic socialism a moment ago, Graham, which I am likewise horrified at the prospects of rearing its ugly head in the United States. Um, when when they do these similar surveys, uh, it might have been from the one Glenn brought up. I don't know, but they'll um, they'll ask. Capitalism tends to have a really low polling rate with millennials and younger, but free enterprise is weirdly good. It's this odd thing where it's kind of this disjointed analysis where when you talk to younger people and you sort of describe, you know, do you like entrepreneurs? Yes, entrepreneurs are good. Okay. Do you like socialism? Yes, I like socialism as well. So there's uh, part of its branding and part of its just uh, incoherence. So this is this is a study that came from Nick Adams. He is a friend of the show. He's he's from Australia, wanted to come over here. Um, had a hard time getting a, a visa to come over here and live. He wants to be a citizen. Um, he finally got in after years and years and years of trying. Uh, and he's the one who commissioned this report because he does something called Flag, uh, where he's trying to remind America how great America really is. Oh. Because he's like, I, I lived on the other side of the planet and I could see it. You guys aren't seeing it. He continues, 46% of younger Americans do not believe that America is the greatest country in the world. 14% of millennials believe that America was never a great country and never will be. 48% of those under 38 think that America is more racist than other countries. Have you traveled? 44% of younger Americans think former President Barack Obama had a bigger impact than George Washington. Uh, huh. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's a little frightening. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I, you know, Glenn, if I could really quick, I, I want to touch on the main thing that, that stuck out to me is that America is not great and that it's never been great. I think that what's happening right now is we're having a group of people that are taking actual words and meanings and definitions and changing it for themselves. Uh, is America perfect? No. Is America, will America ever be perfect? No. Nothing ever will be. But to sit there and say that America is not great uh, it, you either are truly the result of the spoils that we have within our society, you know, uh, the, 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 the blessings that we have on a daily day basis that you just truly don't understand, or you don't understand the difference between great and perfect. 
And, and I think that that's what, I think that that's a huge issue that we're having these days is people are trying to act like, you know, well, America's, America's not perfect. Well, no, no, duh, nothing is perfect. Uh, America, the idea of America is perfect. The idea that so many people can come together and be different and live under one title that is American. I mean, that idea is awesome. But it's never going to be 100 percent realized. Yeah, people I, are people. May, may, maybe a more apt phrase would be America's not Norway. I find that a lot yeah. of the people that I talk to are just kind of bothered that we're not Northern Europe. And then when you when you drill down and talk to them about it, they don't actually understand Northern Europe very well either. <laughs> yes, they, they have they've no got idea. This, they've got this. I mean, like, like uh, who is it? Uh, the the prime minister of Denmark came to America to remind America that it is a market economy because Bernie Sanders kept pointing to it as a beacon of socialism. In the last election, yeah. they literally flew but, over their leader to go, nope, we're a market economy. We do have a big safety net. We do have high taxes, but we have a market economy. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's truly remarkable what, uh, uh, how little we know and appreciate. And on your point, Graham, about being perfect, you know, I, I talk about it in, in my latest book. And uh, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's this idea that we have to dismiss the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution because they weren't doing it. Well, tell me any group of people at any time who said we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and a government is instituted among men to protect those rights. Tell me anybody, any group of people ever, even the 12 apostles who got that right. This is only Jesus got that right. This is an exactly. idea that is an in, that is a an aspirational idea, saying this is what we're shooting for. And if we ever got to the point where we're like, yeah, wow, look at us, we got that done, then we would need another aspirational statement to say, okay, we can do better than that. But we haven't done better than that. Nobody's done better than that. And at least it's our stated goal to be that way. It's why I like Martin Luther King. He. He was saying, don't tear this down, live up to the inspiration and your 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 vision for what this country could be. Graham Allen, uh, host of Rant Nation, now on uh, the Blaze TV dot com. Uh, thank you so much. Good to talk to you, Graham. Thanks for having me. You bet. Blaze TV dot com slash back. Go there now. Poke around. See all the different shows. We definitely have something that will appeal to you. Even the oddballs uh, in the group. Uh, something's off with Andrew Heaton, which, yeah. I, which I really enjoy. It's a podcast every day. You can check it out, blazetv.com slash Beck. By the way, if you use the promo code Beck, Beck Christmas, promo, promo code Beck Christmas, you'll get $20 off your subscription for uh, for the year. So sign up for a year, save 20 bucks. Beck Christmas is the promo code, blazetv.com slash Beck. So how fast can your life be turned upside down? Uh, Pretty fast. Last week we saw Alaska and uh, the earthquake and how fast something can can happen to you. I mean, here are these Alaskans. They're minding their own business. All of a sudden, what was it, a seven on the Richter scale? The last one they had in 64, I mean, the last big one they had in 64 was a nine. And they have these plates um, that are actually one is sliding underneath the other. And so it causes that's what that's why they have their mountains are so huge. It just causes these things to just rise up out of the ground. It's crazy. If you haven't seen the pictures of Alaska and, and by the way, Alaska, I'll have you know, 
we were on the plane, I think, over the weekend. I found out yesterday Mercury One is up in Alaska. Uh, and I think it is our partner city impact that is uh, is up in Alaska. So if if you want to help the Alaskans, um, you know, clean up and and help each other, we're there and you can go to Mercury One dot org um, and uh, and help them now. If you if you've seen this and you realize, wow, you know what? Something could happen in my life pretty easily. I could I could lose my job. We could have a hurricane. We could, um, you know, have a flood, have to get out. We could have an earthquake, have to get out. Best way to prepare is to make sure your family can eat. And that's why there's My Patriot Supply. And right now they're offering the lowest price of the year on two popular emergency food kits. Just go to preparewithglenn.com, preparewithglenn.com. Food kits include breakfast, lunch, and dinner, last up to 25 years in storage. And it is a thing that I have done for my family, and I recommend, highly recommend that you do it too. Prepare. And you go to preparewithglenn.com. That's how you do it, preparewithglenn.com. Uh, so how do you feel about, uh, are you anti-Latinx? I don't think so. Either. Although I, I, although I, I was telling you, I'm um, I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to updating my lexicon. However, that one does confuse me because from what I understand, Spanish is a, a Romanesque language. So yeah. there's there's gender, a, a, A's and O's and everything. I mean, yeah, like like yeah. like you know, cups and mugs and everything. Everything is either a male or a female. So I'm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why that would become a gender neutral one and and what the rationale was behind it. Well, it's white people saying that uh, um, I, I think it's, it's it's really oppressive to say, you know, uh, to have gender, yeah. um, you know, s- specified. Uh, that here. So sounds about right to me. That would not surprise me right. if that were it's, that were kind of foisted from. Yeah. Uh, it's got to come from a university that said, hey, you know what? Latinx. I like Latinx. Man, those those Bronx universities, you can't <laughs> swing a dead they, cat without hitting an I, academic in the Bronx. Doesn't it sound like some of the mob would come up with? Yeah, I tell you what, we're just going to call you uh Latinx. I would love to visit Mob University. That would like a mafia-sponsored university would be right. fascinating. Right. I would definitely go to. I bet uh, you would learn the a lot. Yeah. I yeah, bet yeah. you would learn You'd a lot. You'd have to, and you'd probably come out a little more American. You know what I'm saying? Enough with these Latinx, eh? <laughs> Holy cow! Glenn Beck, Mercury.